Thank you for listening to our podcast. A three-year-old boy named Casey went missing on the edge of the North Carolina forest. He had been playing outside his grandmother's house when he failed to return home. Word spread about the missing boy, and the police, firefighters, and volunteers quickly began frantically searching for him. The weather turned cold and rainy, and the searchers had to suspend their efforts for a while. The terrain in the area was very overgrown and littered with caves and gullies, complicating the search even further. Two days after he went missing, he was found tangled in a thorn bush and vines, calling out for his mother. You can imagine the joy and relief of everyone that had taken part in the search as the word spread, Casey had been found safe. In our personal lives, we have lost something that holds great significance or great value. We have become frantic and looked again and again for lost keys, a missing wallet, or an important piece of paper. We searched the same spot where we thought we remembered leaving it many times, unable to understand why it is not there. The pressure in our chest seems to grow as we rack our brains wondering where it could be. And then the relief, the joy, the celebration when it is found, the dire consequences we had imagined disappear. Did you know that Jesus told that story? In fact, he told it three different ways. And most of all, he told it about you and me. Recent researchers in the area of education and training have rediscovered an old truth. One of the most effective methods of teaching is with stories and storytelling. It has been shown to be a much more effective teaching method than a lecture or even a fancy PowerPoint. People relate to stories. People remember stories. And people personalize and apply stories. On this occasion, Jesus is confronted with an ugly situation. Religious and community leaders do not like the company Jesus is keeping. Like any community, there were some that had chosen to lead a life filled with crime, sin, and greed. Some of those that had bad reputations wanted to hear what Jesus had to say about important things like forgiveness. But the leading people in the community did not value or care about those that were disreputable. And when Jesus took them up on their offer for a meal and a talk, the leadership attacked Jesus and his reputation. It was then that Jesus asked a couple of questions. The first question began with, which of you men? And the second begins, which of you women? The way these questions are asked seem to indicate that Jesus was talking directly to the leading men and women of that community. They shared this problem and he wanted to point this out to both. The story is found in Luke chapter 15. Which of you men, if you had a hundred sheep and lost one of them, wouldn't leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that was lost until it was found? When he had found it, he carries it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. The first story is about lost sheep. Like many of the stories Jesus uses to teach, we have to expend some effort to place ourselves there because it is not in our experience. But the people he is addressing did know sheep and shepherding. For our part, we can ask, what is it like to raise sheep? First, 
A sheep, unlike other domesticated animals, has no ability to live in the wild. They do not have wild instincts to keep them alive, and they have no real defenses against predators. A sheep in the wild will soon die of thirst, injury, or be eaten. The other element that is important to understand is that the shepherd of a modest flock would know each one by name and have a relationship with each one. It is on this basis that Jesus asked the question, Which man among you would abandon one of his sheep that had become lost in the wild? Even if it were only one from a flock of a hundred, they would go looking to save the lamb's life, because it was one of his, and the loss would be personal. The shepherd would backtrack to where he thought the sheep had wandered off, calling its name. He finds the helpless animal alive, maybe injured or weak. The shepherd takes the exhausted animal that had caused him so much trouble and places it across his shoulders and carries it home. But the story does not end with simply acknowledging that they would search for the sheep that had wandered away, but would feel relief and joy over the fact that the sheep had been found and recovered alive. He says that the shepherd would call his friends together and celebrate. The loss was personal, and so is the joy and relief personal. Jesus tells them that in the same way, the messengers and servants of God, the angels, celebrate when someone's relationship with God is restored. Heaven sees a familiar face that is welcomed home safe. Jesus goes from the lost sheep to a missing coin. Or what woman, if she had ten coins, if she lost one, wouldn't light a lamp, sweep the house, seek diligently until she found it? When she had found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. Even so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner repenting. This story is a lot closer to our personal experience. Have you ever misplaced a paycheck? Panic quickly ensues. In this story, Jesus says a large portion of a woman's savings is missing. She lights every lamp, moves every piece of furniture, and searches every nook and cranny until the coin is found. How many of her friends knew of her panic? Enough that when the money is restored, she can celebrate with them. Jesus says that the angels see value in the people restored to God. The point of these stories was not to talk about keeping track of your sheep or your money. The point was to address the attitude these community leaders had for the less reputable people that they despised. They had come to hear what Jesus had to say about the coming of God's king. They were there to learn if they could have a place in that kingdom or had the deeds of their past forever excluded them. They were there to see for themselves who this Jesus was and what he had to say. The message Jesus gave them was, God knows you and cares about you, and that he considers you valuable and your return worth celebrating by the angels themselves. But then he adds a third story to the group. The story begins with, A man had two sons. The idea of a parable is sometimes defined as a story with a moral meaning. Many of the stories of Jesus are identified as parables as a part of the text. Many are defined by the comparative statement, 
the kingdom of heaven is like. Such comparisons normally focus on one or two elements as the point of consideration. But some are not structured that way. The two stories we just spoke about begin with which man or woman among you, making the lesson very direct and personal. Jesus says, in essence, you know this to be true. In fact, you have probably done this yourself. He leaves every one of them shaking their heads, acknowledging that this is what they would do. And Jesus asks why they don't value these people the same way. The third story is structured differently as well. It may be a parable or it may be telling a story already familiar to those listening. It could be that one of those he spoke about was in the audience at that moment. Either way, the story still resonates today. A man had two sons. The younger of the two decided he wants nothing to do with his father or the family anymore, demands what is his by inheritance, and leaves. Far away from home, he wastes all his money, and finds himself so hungry he considers eating the scraps of food the people are feeding their pigs. In modern terms, this is the man hitting bottom. The man realizes something. The servants in his father's house, the people he probably looked down on when he was a boy, have more than enough to eat, and he is starving. The man decides to humble himself, apologize to his father, saying he is unworthy to be considered his son, and beg him to let him return to the household as a servant. He practices the speech he will give to his father and starts for home. As the man makes his way home, while he is still a long way down the road, his father sees him and recognizes him. The father runs to his son and wraps him in an embrace and kisses him. The son gives his father the speech he had prepared, but the father sends everyone running to begin the grandest celebration. His son is found, and he is alive. When Jesus tells this story, he does not examine the motives or feelings of the young man's father, yet they are painted in vivid colors by his actions. In the story, he says the father saw his son a long way off. How many hours? And for how many days had his father looked down that road, hoping to see his son returning to him? How many times had he seen someone coming down that road and his heart beat a little bit faster because it might be him? But no, it was not. How many times did he strain his eyes in the fading light of the evening, trying to look down that road one more time? And then, one day, there was another traveler coming down the road. While this one was the right height, he was dressed in rags and dirty, and he was much too skinny to be his son. But there was something about him. Maybe it was his walk that made the father look one more time, straining to see, could it be him? Yes, it's him, my son. He runs to him and embraces him and kisses him. My son is found. My son is alive. The young man has his speech prepared, ready. But this moment is not about apologies, justice, or fairness. This moment is about love, rescue, and joy. He tells the servants to remove the tattered rags of his mistakes 
and dress him in the robes of the family. Cover his sore feet with shoes and place the family ring on his finger. The father is bursting with relief and proclaims, My son is alive and he is home and invites everyone to come and celebrate with him. In the first story, Jesus tells them, God knows you and knows what you need. In the second story, Jesus tells them that they have value and are worth searching for. The third story answers the question of why God would know us and value us. It is because he loves us. This is a portrait of how God sees us and our return. We make bad choices, turn away from truth and good, act in a selfish and willful way. And God knows all about that. Yet, he still searches that road, hoping for our return, because he loves us. We have talked about the fairness and justice of God, but have we said enough about the love and mercy of God? The end of the story tells of the elder son and his anger at his father's attitude and actions. He closes the loop on those that had been critical of Jesus teaching and eating with those that needed to hear about and see the love of God the most. Their arrogance and selfishness had provided the stage for Jesus to tell one of the most beautiful stories of love and mercy that is found in the Bible. This is the story of the prodigal son. God knows how lost and afraid we are and has come looking for us because, for him, this is personal. He values us enough to search high and low for us. He has done all of this because he loves us and wants us to come home. The Father is looking down the road for you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want additional information, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or on our website at truthseekers.org. That's truthseekers.org.